You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here, uh, solo with you guys again this week. It is good to be back. Had a little bit of a hectic sort of Friday uh, last week, so we didn't get you a pod. So we owe you, uh, and we are going to get right to it. Two segments today. Uh, the second one, obviously a favorite, Prospects for Packers. We're going to bring that back. I think that's going to be a good segment to have throughout uh, the college football season. But first, I wanted to start with a little bit of a rookie watch. And I know that all the guys have really covered a lot of, of what Christian Watson and what Romeo Dobbs and Devontae Wyatt and, and Quay Walker have done to this point. And I think just a couple things to quickly hit on that. I, I do think, obviously, it's stinks to not see Devontae Wyatt out there as much as, as we'd hoped. But, I mean, it's clear that I feel like as bad as the run defense has been, if if he was truly ready to be like out there with three down linemen, the five-man front, and you trusted him to be like, all right, this is your gap, take this responsibility, you know, I, I feel like he would be out there more. And that's okay. Like, again, not everybody's going to be up to speed immediately. Like, Quay Walker's, I think, been their best rookie so far. Um, and I think most people would agree with that, right? So, but he his pace shouldn't dictate how you feel about Devontae Wyatt's pace, okay? We got to stay patient. I know I whiffed hard on Rashawn Gary. I wasn't patient enough with him. Some guys take a few years, okay? It's not like everybody but tight end is, is like got to be an instant contributor. I know Devontae Wyatt was the first round pick. I understand that. There are plenty of first-round picks right now that are are taking their sweet time. I promise you that. And we'll, we'll kind of cover a few of them uh, as we get down to it. But like I said, I do think Devontae White, if he comes along slowly, that's okay. Uh, as long as he's getting in the rotation, we see him more snaps maybe by year's end. If he's not in a full-time starting role until next year, okay, no biggie. Um, but Quay Walker with the stops, with how much ground he can cover in coverage, he is going to be maybe a little bit better than I even thought um, as far as his potential, as far as the range of outcomes I have for him in my projection. And he's he, he might as well, I mean, he, he might very well just put my grade to shame and, and good because, again, what do I know really in the grand scheme of things? But I, I do think his speed – and Christian Watson's speed are two things that opposing offenses and defenses have to take into account 
And that's amazing as rookies. Uh, just to watch Christian Watson drawing Bears linebackers and Bears safeties with him wherever he goes, that's such a weapon to have. Again, and and I'm I'm pretty much regurgitating what the other guys have said, but like, you know, when you can stress a defense vertically, and by vertically I mean, you know, if you're running drive and or dagger you know and you're getting this this high low or you're getting a, a a go route that clears things out underneath you're going to stress safeties to kind of listen we got to run with this guy you know hopefully i can hang with him as a corner but again it's going to open things up in that deep middle it's going to open things up you know if you're running a lot of verticals it's going to stress defenders horizontally because it's like okay well i got to take care of this guy and you know, if you're running verts and you can guy who can kind of bend off that that seam route over the middle of the field, you're going to find him open. So Watson's speed and acceleration more than anything is what's going to help this Packers offense kind of open up a little bit more, which is really exciting. And I do think that means you could see lighter boxes. And I think that's, you know, a, a great testament to what the run game has been able to do. So I'm very excited about that. Hopefully he plays against Tampa Bay this week. Um, and hopefully Quay Walker gets opportunities to kind of mug the A-gap. Maybe he gets to be on the edge a little bit, send some pressure. Get him going. Like, if, if you want to mug the A-gap and send him against an inexperienced front in Tampa Bay, they should be doing it. So, But, again, just some thoughts on the rookie so far. Romeo Dobbs, obviously, maybe not coming out of the gate as, as hot as we wanted, but, like, still, again, we're working in with a bunch of guys. This is a receiving group that's going to be – rotated in and out a lot so and again the the first week snaps and routes run were probably a little skewed because Alan Lazar wasn't there not really worried about it let them take their time maybe other than Quay Walker um but a few guys I want to talk about along the offensive line especially because I do think obviously for Packers fans it's kind of been like ah uh, there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line so the first two I want to bring up actually weren't even on the list but I wanted to bring this up because I mentioned like again Devontae White not doing the best right now like, okay, Evan Neal is like one of the worst graded offensive linemen, and I've, he has struggled um, against Tennessee, against Bud Dupree. There were some reps that were good, but there's reps where he's still kind of all the worries where everybody's like, yeah, he's got balance issues. He's getting push-pulled when he's trying to run block. You know, he, he's losing his balance a little bit, and, you know, some of these more powerful guys are taking advantage of him in pass protection. Like, that's happening, right? And, like, Brian Burns – Gave him a lot of trouble uh, on Sunday uh, when, again, the Giants and Panthers played. So Evan Neal is is slowly working into it. Does that mean he's a bust? No. Andrew Thomas did not play well as a rookie. He didn't. He was not very good. And now he's the highest-graded pass blocker through two weeks in his third year. He had a great year last year as well, by the way. So it takes some time. Ikki Aquanu got put in a blender by Miles Garrett in the opener. Okay, And, you know... He didn't face a whole lot last week. No Thibodeau, no Ojolari. So didn't get put in a blender as much. But again, he hasn't really found it yet either. Charles Cross, he's getting outplayed by his teammate on the other side right now. So again, it's just take your time. Take your time. So the three guys who I wanted to highlight who have been doing well, maybe I'll even highlight a little bit more than three because there have been others. But Tyler Smith, a uh, very interesting because he was very much viewed as, and including myself, as 
a guy who had, I think, the functional athleticism. He had enough footwork actually to recover when he was either A, losing balance, or his hands were too wide. He was able to recover with footwork, and that was something where it was like, okay, there's something to actually work with here that, you know, it's it's a technique issue. It, it's always been a technique issue, whether it be balance. Like we said, the hands are wide. He's not getting good strike into the chest underneath the arms. Like he's not establishing good leverage with his hands. He's not able to control guys with his hands as good as his grip strength can be. Sometimes he's hanging on for dear life because, A, they're wide and he's off balance, right? And he's getting too wide with his footwork. So it was always like a technique issue with him. And so you go in and you look at how he played against Tampa Bay. It was a little bit rough, but his ability to kind of recover was there. And you're seeing, I think, the quick feet, the power. His hands are still really wide. And that was the case against the Bengals too. But he he held Trey Hendrickson at bay for most of that game. And to see him thrust into a, a spot at left tackle, and especially this past week where you're, again, you're protecting Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott gets hurt. There's a lot on the line um, to kind of almost be a season saver at left tackle. And he's been doing it. And I was really impressed, uh, especially last week, just because I think, again, as wide as his hands were, he was fighting to relocate them. He was fighting to get them inside. He has enough as an anchor to, you know, be the guy who can survive some of that speed to power so he was always a good finisher in the run game too that that's something that obviously was was on film as well but it's good to see him kind of you know and nothing's perfect like I said his hands are still extremely wide but like there was more to work with I think with him than there was with Penning because just Penning just I I don't know We'll, we'll see but by the way James Hurst doing really well for New Orleans and they haven't really needed Penning to this point and they might not need him this year but Tyler Smith did well. I'm really impressed with Zion Johnson so far just because he, in pass protection, I think the run game, there's a little bit to be desired. I, I do think he can hit the second level landmarks and has done so decently well. But it's more about like plays where you see the kind of line is shifting. They're almost moving as a unit. There's a little bit of balance stuff going on. You know, he's sometimes in pass protection, he's kind of, trying to do too much he's kind of looking everywhere at once he's trying to keep his eyes on somebody while maintaining a block um, in front of him that doesn't always go well sometimes it leads him to trip over his uh his center so he's he's kind of trying to do too much almost in pass protection at times but when he's dialed when he's locked in when you're trying to rush him head on he's he anchors extremely well he played really really well against chris jones so much so that they moved Chris Jones over to the left side uh, in the second half in order to get some pressure on Justin Herbert because Zion Johnson was doing so well against him, surviving the bull rush. Now, he, he did get beat once, kind of got left in that push-pull, grasping for air stuff, but that's Chris Jones. Like, we know he's going to get wins. Like, he's not going to get shut out, right? But Zion Johnson did well enough to keep him at bay, to limit the pressure he could put on Justin Herbert. Zion Johnson and Rashawn Slater really are two picks that are kind of almost single duo handedly keeping Justin Herbert upright and keeping the Chargers offense going. And it's a very simple offense. It's it's a very calculated, very safe offense. But they're the reason that, again, Herbert's staying upright, keeping him healthy. Obviously, he got hurt in the Chiefs game. So, you know, that healthy thing. But they're giving him time. 
And the Chargers offensive line has always been a problem. Zion Johnson's helping that. So Abe Lucas, this is really what's interesting about Abe Lucas is, you know, he was viewed along with Charles Cross. Both of them worked with um, Mike Leach, air raid system. So it was a lot of pass blocking reps, a ton of pass blocking reps over the years. And just not a lot of run blocking. How can you move linearly for me? Can you move forward? Can you get to your angles? Like, can you get to the landmarks that I need you to get? Can you reach? Can you seal off? You know, all these things. And Abe Lucas is really passing the tests. And, and he's doing so with flying colors. And I, I've i been really impressed that, you know, he's been able to just kind of... He, he, it's not surprising that he's quick out of a stance. But it's really impressive to see him generate some power moving forward. And... You know, he's buried a couple guys uh, through a couple weeks. You know, played pretty well against Denver. Played pretty well against San Francisco. So to see him, you know, be as good as he is in pass protection and, you know, starting to figure things out in the run game with an offense that's going to run the football, um, they've got a lot of committee going on there. But, again, I think when you look at Abe Lucas, I think you say all things considered, third-round pick, maybe not be grading the greatest at the moment, but like relative to where he's been selected, he is doing very well. And I think Seattle would agree. And I think they should be very pleased uh, with that selection so far. So elsewhere, along the offensive line, just wanted to hit a couple names. Cole Strange has actually been pretty good. Um, grades have been okay that I've been looking at for him. But like watching him communicate on stunts, watching him pick things up with ease. You know, the footwork looks good. He's not looking clunky as a mover. Not a really good run blocker yet. But I do think in pass protection, he was not really surrendering a lot of pressure against Cam Hayward. So two weeks in a row, he did really, really well. Like I said, communication, picking up stunts, you know, handling all that window dressing by the defensive line, you know, being able to withstand those head up rushes one on one. Like he's doing that in the interior. Cole Strange is making that pick not look silly, which is probably we all should have assumed that because again it's it's Belichick it's the Patriots picking offensive linemen receivers another story obviously Thorne hasn't played yet but again we'll we'll get there with that but impressed with him so I wanted to bring up Tyler Linderbaum only because you see this this stark difference in kind of how Baltimore is helping him fit in they're they're giving him runs where it's like all right that second level defender that linebacker you got to get him. You got to seal that off. We're going to run outside. We're going to get to the perimeter. We need that second level guy to not be in the play. And Tyler Linderbaum's like, okay, got it. Easy. And just buries the guy, right? And so his his ability to run block, his ability to get moving forward, you see the wrestling background. You see him be able to take guys for a ride on the, in the run game. He's got a really, really good uh, run blocking grade, I believe. At least it was through week one. I'm going to pull it up. But like his his grade in week one was really good run blocking, but the pass blocking was atrocious. And that's kind of really what you saw at Iowa. In, in so right now, we're looking at a 64 overall grade for him. Run blocking's a 70. That's good. Very good run blocker. That's not shocking. His pass blocking grade's at a 43.8. And the Miami game, he was just truly getting driven back into Lamar Jackson's lap. And you saw the lack of play strength, the the lack of ability to anchor. Like, he's 296 pounds. He's trying to handle these 340-pound guys in the middle. 
like we kind of knew that this was potentially going to happen. And that's why we thought, okay, you know, somewhere like Cleveland, somewhere like San Francisco, where you can get this guy as, as this is a true zone center. You know, we're going to help him out as much as we can in pass protection, but we need him to run block. We need him to create lanes. That was something where for Baltimore, it was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why did they draft him? Right. So that is very much a work in progress. I'm excited to see what they kind of do going forward. The, this, this new England game is going to be very interesting. Got Christian Barmore on the other side. So I want to see how Linderbaum kind of responds. Quinnen Williams also took him for a ride a lot in week one. Had him, you know, in that motion where his like arms are flailing up in the air. He's kind of lurched over a little bit like he's been push pulled. And it's there's so much to him with pass blocking that I feel like he needs help at all times. When he's asked to, you know, do the finer points of things, football IQ, understanding, okay, who's coming on the rush, you know, if this guy drops and this guy comes and rather than something traditional, what's my assignment? He knows that stuff. It's just handling the power. It's handling power. Can he do that over the course of the season? That could, you know, this is something that could elevate or sink the Ravens. So it's very interesting to watch. I encourage you to make sure if you can watch the Ravens do so, if you've got NFL plus or a game pass or whatever, and you want to go back and watch Linderbaum do that. It's a very interesting study. Um, Two Jaguars I wanted to hit up. Uh, I wanted to talk about Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker a little bit because I do think both have been been solid so far. Um, obviously, Trayvon Walker got his first sack against Washington in week one. That was a, a really nice dip-rip move. Uh, and, and the athleticism and the closing speed to finish at the quarterback, very nice job. Uh, his ability to read out screens, read out two of them really, really well, tackle for loss and an interception off of those that was impressive and you see the football iq with him whether he's dropping into coverage like i said whether he's handling screens whether it's okay yeah you need to be able to set a strong edge in the run game he does that he's very very good in that area we knew he was going to be a good run defender the pass rush grade isn't very good right now he's he's still developing with a lot of tools but he has certainly not looked out of place at five tech, at seven tech, rushing on the edge, he has not looked out of place there. That's that's important. That's important because they've they've really been basically in Jacksonville. Like, all right, you're you're out here. That's where you're playing. Um, we have apparently they don't have any desire to move him inside. I feel like they've got a lot of names uh, on the interior where they feel pretty confident in what a lot of them can do. You know, Goatsis, Fatukasi, Davon Hamilton's been really really good so far. Been very impressed with him, like Dewan Smoot, Robertson, Harris. There's a lot of guys up front that they're rotating in and out, and they're like, all right, Walker, we need you to win with speed. We need you to win with flexibility. We need you to win with power on the edge. Has he done that so far? At an inconsistent basis, yes, but still. For the first overall pick with everybody had a lot of questions about him, I, I'm impressed so far. Wanted to go to one more. Devin Lloyd, like I said, I, I the grades are okay. 69 overall is actually pretty good. Um, the coverage grade is the issue. His run defense grade is really, really good. You see Devin Lloyd, he's got he got a better tackling grade this week. Yeah, he missed some tackles in week one. Looked a lot better against Indianapolis. And he's just been kind of in coverage, just running to the sidelines. But again, his perimeter run defense is very, very good. He sniffs things out. He understands, okay, this they're taking this to perimeter. I'm going to meet this guy. So and he's not shy about again in his gap 
pop the tackle, get around the tackle, do what he needs to do to get to get to the ball carrier. So I've been impressed with him. I, I do think he's going to become really a quarterback of that defense. So for the Jaguars to get Lloyd and Walker to kind of replenish that front seven, that's huge for them and a push for an AFC South crown that I think is wide open for them to do so. And wanted to finish up the rookie talk a little bit with rookie wide receivers. I know Packers fans are probably annoyed. At least some of them are with this. Um, but this is my bread and butter. I love talking the receiver position. So I want to hit these three guys who I think have stood out the most. Uh, the first two, Garrett Wilson and Drake London. I think Drake London is either sixth or seventh um, graded wide receiver overall through two weeks. And I think Garrett Wilson is 12th. Uh, these were my top two receivers in the 2022 NFL draft. Wilson at one, London at two. Wilson has proven once again that I, I, the people who were very concerned about his, you know, violent cuts, his violent jab steps, is, you know, oh, this is too much. He dances too much. I hate that because it means that he's actually got patience, and and some and some receivers do not. Uh, if you look at uh, Wilson's first touchdown against Cleveland. It was a fade route at the goal line. This is where he succeeded a lot in college, whether it be winning the catch point or generating enough space where the quarterback could just throw it to the back pylon and he, he he's open. And he was on this play because, again, he's being patient. He's, he's gaining ground off the snap, got the foot fire going, and when he jabs hard, he's able to generate some space with some explosion. And, again, his, his ability to deceive – Still, with his releases, that's important. And he he kind of puts some guys in a blender, whether it be running the blaze outs. You know, there was a rep where it was almost a third touchdown for him where he's, again, creating space and zone because he's going to stem at this linebacker who's covering the middle of the field against a split safety look because he knows if I stem at this guy, the safeties are going to pay attention more towards the perimeter. And if I sell there, I can work vertically up the seam into the open space, and he did that. Throw was a little bit off. Could he have made a better play in the ball? Maybe. But it shows you, again, the route intelligence versus zone and the ability to separate versus man. He's got a good pair of mitts on him, and we know in week one what we saw after the catch for one of his reps against Baltimore. He sets himself up well. He's a violent cutter in space. And again, just at well-rounded at all three phases is why Garrett Wilson's going to be so successful. And that's why he, he had a big game, 8-1-0-2-2 on Sunday. Drake London, kind of the same thing. It was like, oh, separation concerns. It's like, well, not really. Um, you, you saw him run a nice whip route against uh, Marshawn Lattimore to generate space. Another guy who really does well finding things in zone. He's obviously a ball winner. And, and I love what he does after the catch. He... he brought out the hurdle against the Rams, right? So like he's good in all these areas where he's he's been the leading target getter in Atlanta, not Pitts, Drake London. He's an alpha. Give him his due. Third guy I want to talk about Jahan Dotson really quick. Three touchdowns in two weeks. Very important. He's been a part of a, a really potent passing attack in Washington, which is nice to see. Uh, they're going at McLaurin. They're going at him. They're going at Samuel. So that's really cool that they're letting Wentz kind of unleash a little bit. Uh, with Dotson, it's the same thing. It's that patience. 
It's that burst. It's the route tempo. Generate some space for himself. He's Like I said, he stays patient in his release. He's not willing to tip his hand early like some receivers will do. You know, and again, he's a quarterback's best friend. He's got a big catch radius for a small receiver and a great pair of hands on him. And, you know, he worked a really nice double move, but it was ultimately his hands, his ability to control his body, you know, with, with a kind of a defender in his face to kind of make a tough play in the end zone for his second touchdown against against Jacksonville. So he has done really, really well. I still kind of – I'm going to push back and maintain that I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one. But, again, elite wide receiver two was definitely within his projection. Elite wide receiver twos are probably not somebody I'm giving first-round grades to, just to be honest. And I didn't give him a first-round grade. Still really liked him. Uh, obviously, George Pickens tonight, uh, if you're – listening to you're listening to this on Friday but George Pickens obviously made had a catch of the year candidate play tonight against Cleveland it was good it was a good play it was really really impressive again the body control the hands you know the ability to track the football awesome but again he he still feels like to me at this point he's still very much a vertical plane wide receiver and when I think of guys like Drake London and Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, I don't think, oh, just vertical playing for him. Traylon Burks may be a little bit more of that, but I do think he's kind of a big bucket, small bucket guy. If you don't know what that means, go to my sub stack and um, look at kind of what I kind of label these guys as based on all their routes run every week. So it's a very interesting thing if you want to dive into that, but I just do think he's this vertical type of ball winner where it's like, ah, is he really a three-level threat? Maybe. I don't know. He he kind of he had a play at the end where he could have made a play and, and scored a touchdown. He kind of went for the one-handed grab again, and I, it was kind of like, okay, don't know what we're doing here. So I'm, I'm still not super bullish on George Pickens, but he's going to make plays like that because that's, that's the type of player he is. I just don't know if – I, I, Deontay Johnson's obviously still very clearly the wide receiver one there. So, but again, Pickens did, did a nice job tonight. Uh, we are going to take a short break here and then we're going to get into prospects for Packers to watch on Saturdays. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Okay, back here with It's Always Draft Season, obviously part of the Packing Up Podcast Network. Prospect for Packers. And it's interesting to kind of look and be like, yeah, this is these are the positions that the Packers need. Um, obviously, the offensive line's been in a lot of question uh, so far. Elton Jenkins being coming a free agent. Is David Bakhtiari healthy? Things we really don't know. Uh, John Runyon's been good at guard. Myers has been solid at center. Uh, will Ryan or Tom likely pan out? I think there, I think one of the two will. Is it at guard or tackle? We'll see. Uh, but I do think tackle could be where the Packers look uh, in the 2023 NFL draft. So I wanted to highlight five guys actually early on Saturday that I think a lot of people should watch. So uh, 11 a.m. slate, Jalen Duncan. And actually, Delmar Glaze might not declare he's a, a third-year sophomore. Uh, playing against Michigan, both of them, Maryland, Michigan. Early on Saturday, a good, a good game in general to watch because again Maryland's got talented receivers. Michigan's a talented ball club in general. Blake Corum's a really good running back in this draft, but I think these two will have their hands full because again Michigan recruits really, really well in the defensive line. We should know this by now. Rashawn Gary, obviously, of course. Uh, Quiddy Pay was a first round pick, right? Like Maurice Hurst probably should have been a first round pick if not for like a heart condition, heart issue that that kind of had him drop. So Michigan's putting out a lot of good defensive prospects, defensive line prospects. There's actually one more that we'll talk about. But I do think Jalen Duncan movement skills, footwork, pass sets, very, very good. Can he handle power? That is the question. He's going to get a test from Michigan this week, though, that is going to determine a, a lot. Because Big Ten play is, as much as we kind of you know make fun of Big Ten play sometimes, because it's like, oh, yeah, they punt a lot and they run a lot. And... You know, they sometimes will get safeties. Oh, really? It's 10 to 7 in the fourth quarter? Oh, who could have seen this? But, like, no, legitimately, like, trench play is really, really good here. So let's see Jalen Duncan go out and have a good day. Delmar Glaze, if he does the same thing, if Delmar Glaze pops and, and he gets on the radar, awesome. That's that's really good for him, and I'm impressed there. So those two tackles, is I, I would watch both of them if you got time. Uh, maybe watch Rakeem Jarrett as well at receiver. I know that like we're going to talk about that and be like, oh my gosh, receiver again. Listen, Lazard, is he going to be back? Watkins, is he going to be back? Rakeem Jarrett's a fun player because he's like six foot two, 200, and like he has some good speed and acceleration to him. This could be the slot gadget type that we add and look at. Oh, yes, this guy can be the perfect kind of almost compliment to a Dobbs and a Watson. That's somebody who I would like to see the Packers bring into this receiver room, kind of build a room of types. And I think Rakeem Jarrett would fill a type that we do not have. He's more explosive than Cobb or Amari Rogers by far. And that's, that's again, that's not really a dig at Cobb, right? Cobb's on the elder statesman side of things at this point. But I, I do think he's a lot better than Amari Rogers. So, you know, maybe take a peek at Rakeem Jarrett as well. I do think Dante Demas Jr. is a really fun receiver at 6'3", and he's a really nice vertical threat. But, like, hello, Christian Watson. Hello, Romeo Dobbs, like, vertical threats. Like, those, we have those buckets. We're not worried about those buckets in Green Bay. 
Uh, I want to talk about defensive tackle Mozzie Smith, though, because I do think defensive tackle is a good chance Green Bay's all over that position again uh, in the 2023 NFL draft, just because, again, like, listen, I know people were, like, really expecting a TJ Slayton breakout. Like, that's super cool that you were expecting that. That's a day three pick. Like, let's let's be, let's let's set some expectations here, you know. So, him, Dean Lowry, like even Devonte Wyatt, maybe not. Jaron Reed, I don't know if he's here for more than one year necessarily. Like, we got to shore something up here, right? So, Mozzie Smith was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, six three three thirty seven, right? He does twenty two reps on the bench, and you're like, oh, that's of two twenty five? No, 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 no. He did twenty two reps of three twenty five. Uh, okay, so. A lot of great bench numbers here, but I do think a 33-inch vert for a defensive tackle at 337 is nuts. A 441 shuttle time is even more nuts. That would have been number one at the combine this year for defensive tackles. And a 6953 cone. Okay, so we need to talk about this. Sub 73 cones are like big, big numbers for edge rushers. Okay. So a 6953 cone as a defensive tackle at 337, that would be nuts if that is the case. That's athletic tools. The Packers love athletic tools. Listen, it wouldn't shock me. As a prospect, Smith's a really, really good run defender. He can hold up with double teams, uh, stack and shed with the best of them. I'd like to see more suddenness as a rusher, but like this is this is the Packers type. Mozzie Smith feels such such like a Packer, and I know it's a Michigan thing. It's a Georgia thing. We're going to be talking about Mozzie Smith and probably Chris Smith, um, Christopher Smith as well at safety. We mentioned him, so I'm not going to bring him up this week, especially because George is playing Kent State, right? But those are guys I would watch in that game. That's a big game, I think, to kind of watch guys in the Big Ten. Uh, keep going here for the tackles. Jordan McFadden uh, is playing Wake Forest. This is a big, first off, this is a big matchup just in general. Um, Wake Forest, 21, I think, 21 in the country. Let me make sure that's correct. Yes, and Clemson is fifth. So that's a big game uh, in the state of North Carolina. Clemson's on the road, obviously. Um, I'm going to stop talking about the college part of this um, and go and like get to McFadden. He's graded really well, by the way. Uh, when you look at the tackle grades, Peter Skronsky's obviously at number one uh, in just overall grade, 92 pass block. That's nuts. Uh, he's probably not going to be available in the Packers pick, just saying. Um, but Jordan McFadden has done really, really well this year. Uh, as PFF, 83 pass blocking grades, 77 run blocking. He's kind of more of the type where people are kind of like teetering on like, okay, should he be moved inside to guard? You know, does he have enough length to handle it outside? He's done really, really well. I, I was impressed uh, in the opener against Georgia Tech. Now that's Georgia Tech. It's not necessarily, you know, a playoff team or anything. But I do think he's played well but this will be the first real stern test he's got and this is a good one to tune into if you haven't seen McFadden yet for sure um this guy's been really really good so I wanted to bring him up because I do think like he is somebody who kind of wasn't necessarily on the radar uh to start the season per se but he has definitely gained a lot of steam at tackle. And, you know, we kind of saw him in the opener against Purdue do really well. So it's somebody I definitely wanted to highlight because I was impressed. A couple others have been impressed. So 
I want o- Olu Fashanu, 6'5", 290, Penn State. Uh, he is, I think, I think he's a junior. Um, but again, I the, the footwork, the hands, like he has been really impressive. Uh, I don't know what his grades are. I'm gonna try and look that up while I'm typing here. Oh yeah, okay. Here we go. Uh, 73 grade overall, but a 92 pass blocking grade. Okay. Run blocking grades a 60, just under hair under 60, 59.6. Uh, but as Ryan often says on this podcast, can he pass block? You know, uh, he can. He's been very, very good. He did really, really well in the Auburn game. I'm actually writing up something on him uh, probably as you're listening to this uh, for risingdraft.com because, again, I've been really impressed with him. They're playing Central Michigan, so it's not like, oh, it's a big game for you to watch him. But, you know, if you want to go head over to Big Ten Network and kind of just take a peek, or there are some games online against Auburn and Purdue that you could look at as well on your downtime, I would take a look at him. I think he's very much in play if he declares. Two others that are early, uh, Connor Galvin from Baylor. He's been kind of up and down as a pass protector. Uh, he's going up against Will McDonald the fourth though this week. I don't know how much they'll be again matched up necessarily because obviously they want Iowa State would like Will McDonald the fourth to kind of rush off of the you know the, maybe the right tackle easier assignment, but they'll probably match up for a few rushes. McDonald's a really pure pass rusher with a ton of counters, flexibility, burst. You know he has the length to be disruptive as well. He gets into passing lanes. Like this would be a nice edge three for green Bay, like a really, really good edge three. So, you know, you keep, keep an eye on him as well. Siaki Ika is a really pretty much a nose tackle, but like, I mean, if you're going to draft TJ Slayton, you should consider Siaki Ika because he's got enough, enough explosiveness, enough power, enough pass rushing moves to, to at least be a threat rushing the passer. He can, obviously he's going to hold double teams with anybody. So, and Carter Warren for Pitt, he's another good athlete at the position. They're playing Rhode Island, uh, if you want to tune into that one on the ACC network, another option for you. But those are some guys I would watch early. Um, I'm going to bring this guy up again, a defensive tackle, Jervon Dexter, just because I think he's he's extremely talented as a pass rusher. Um, he's He was all around the ball against Kentucky. They play Tennessee. It's a big, big game on Saturday. This is the type of game where you go, okay, I need you to show up. Javon Dexter, let's see it. Uh, Rashad Torrance as well at safety. Um, he's been pretty good, if I remember correctly. I think he's at least graded decently as a safety to this point. Uh, I'm bringing up safeties because, I obviously, I do think Green Bay could be looking in this direction. Uh, Rashad Torrance, he was a little further down this list, but I thought he was here. Maybe he's not. I thought he was. Uh, maybe I'm losing my mind a little bit late at night uh, maybe I am but Rashad Torrance from Florida is somebody I would potentially look at in this game as well um yeah I mean you could look at Darnell Wright a lot of grip strength there not as great movement skills not sure I trust him as a pass protecting left tackle but again two guys from Florida on defense defensive tackle and safety that you guys should look at a couple others uh in this window in the afternoon window if you're you know kind of around for this one Brandon Dorless, I think, has a really, really explosive, sudden, you know, good change of direction, good lateral mover, defensive tackle, pass rush up to Wazoo. They're playing Wazoo, Wazoo, Washington State at 3 o'clock on Fox. 
I'd I'd watch him for sure. Uh, it, again, it gives you a front row seat to Noah Sewell as well. Uh, if you want to see that, Christian Gonzalez at corner, really, really good as well. So front row seat there to kind of watch him kind of potentially terrorize Washington State's offensive line. Ole Miss is playing Tulsa, but I again, Ashim Young is grading outstanding uh, so far this year. 86 overall grade, 88 in coverage. Why an 88 in coverage? Well, I can tell you he's one of the best single high safeties. Uh, he's got a plenty, he's got a plentiful amount of range, great ball skills as well. So, like, this is like the type where it's like, okay, you stick him on the roof, you know, quarters, deep half, you know. If you get a, if you want to get a little spicing, play some man, he can be single high for you. Like, that's that's the type of safety where you know you look at him and you go, Yeah, that's probably Jesse Bates. And I think we've had this conversation already, but I, I just want to keep bringing him up because I think it's important uh, to keep watch of him for sure. So a couple other players uh, to look at this weekend, and we'll get out of here for you guys. But Wisconsin playing Ohio State, I think it's important to bring this up because, like I said, we're talking tackles. Jack Nelson, uh, I believe he's a true junior, and Another guy who's graded well, 89 pass block, 75 run block. I haven't gotten to see a whole lot of him, I'll be honest, entering the season because, again, Wisconsin, they don't have a ton of early declares, but Jack Nelson might be uh, the exception. If he plays really, really well and like the tackle class is like as down as we think it is, listen, Jack Nelson, um, Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky and Olu Fashanu. First four tackles off the board. Jalen Duncan probably in the mix as well. Like Big Ten tackles this year where it's at. So Jack Nelson draws Zach Harrison and Jack Sawyer this week. Two talented edge rushers. Harrison is draft eligible. He was last year, decided to return. Sawyer is a true sophomore who is nuts. Um, so he gets to draw one of those on every snap. Great, great uh, time to get a look at Jack Nelson. Even flip-siding it, uh, a defensive tackle. Keanu Benton, captain, you know, he's as tough as they come. Motor runs hot. Great run defender. Keanu Benton, probably going to be at the Senior Bowl. Again, this is a good Ohio State offensive line basically every year. So look at what Keanu Benton can do. And I didn't even think I was going to mention this guy's name, but Rodis Johnson has been grading well for Wisconsin at defensive tackle. I believe he's in his fifth year. So would be a little bit outside the early round thresholds. But again, day three, you know, uh, 80 run defense grade, pretty good. 72 pass rush grade, not bad. So another guy to kind of watch Benton and Rodas Johnson play against Ohio State. A few others uh, as we kind of wrap this up for you guys this week. But I, I think Antonio Johnson is worth watching against Arkansas this week at safety. He kind of does it all. He's, you know, in the slot. He's, you know, sometimes deep. He plays a lot of star for them. So he's got a lot of speed, though. He can carry those things. You know, you talk often about like, oh, why aren't you in man coverage? Because, you know, these drag routes and this mesh concepts can kind of beat man coverage. Dude has a lot of speed to keep up with guys who can run. And, you know, those mesh mesh concepts that are man beaters are, are a little bit tougher uh, with him in coverage big strong dude as well he can hit uh he, he kind of does it all he's a jack of all trades it's kind of why he's at the star position for texas a&m i think he's really talented he's in a lot of top 20s right now on big boards 
So definitely worth a look. Uh, Texas A&M Arkansas, I think, is at 6 o'clock yeah, on ESPN. Anton Harrison, another tackle for Oklahoma. He's gaining a little bit of steam just because, again, he's in an offense where they've been a little bit more multiple this year. Uh, they're they're kind of a lot of more traditional under center running. Eric Gray's been doing really well for Oklahoma to this point. He's going to draw Felix and Adoka Uzoma, uh, who's another talented edge rusher, another guy potentially to watch again. Green Bay's looking for that third edge rusher if uh, Kingsley Anabari doesn't uh, doesn't really do much this year. You know, got to fill the cupboard of pass rushers. I'd look at him as well. And then if you're really, really hunting for stuff late at night, you know, Pac-12 after dark, you know, if you're really interested in all that. Tight ends, tight ends. Uh, Oregon State has one, and I don't remember... Uh, but I'm going to look that up. But again, Benjamin Eurosec plays uh, for Stanford against Washington. He's kind of more of a move guy, you know, seam buster at, at tight end. They play at 9:30 Central. Uh, Utah ha- obviously has um, Dalton Kincaid, who's a good route running tight end as well. He's a Bayer dude. Would like to see him play a little bit more in line. Um, Oregon State has one. Luke Musgrave, six six two fifty. His role has grown each season. Senior, probably be down in Mobile. Somebody to watch for if you're up late at night. I will be. Uh, oh, it is on Pac-12 Network, though. So if you have that, <laughs> you catch them against USC. No no idea why that's a Pac-12 Network game with a top 10 team in the country, but whatever. Uh, but those are guys to watch late. Braden Trice is another one that's gaining a ton of steam as an edge rusher for Washington. They play Stanford. So plenty of guys to watch, you know, for, in terms of tight end, edge rusher, defensive tackle, safety, and offensive tackle. A lot of guys to watch this week. I'm looking up and down the list just in case I missed anything to kind of look at. Uh, maybe Tyler Steen for Alabama against Vanderbilt if you want to look at more tackles. But overall, like, I think, you know, again, if you always tune in to watch Sam Laporta play. If only he had a quarterback that could get him the darn ball. But anyway, a lot of guys for you to watch and prospect for Packers this week, so I hope you guys take advantage of that. If not, I'll probably give some sort of, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'm talking to Ryan about potentially doing stuff on the Substack, you know, for some prospects to watch and kind of reviewing their, you know, stuff during the college season and whatnot. So we'll see about that. But if not, um, remember, you can follow me at Jake NFL Draft on Twitter, writing for NFLMocks.com riseindraft.com as well and i do have my own sub stack where i've kind of gonna put some draft stuff on there as well once we get to that portion of the season but doing a lot of things at the wide receiver position so make sure you're tuned in over there and, and everywhere um and obviously keep listening uh to the it's always draft Season podcast because we'll have plenty more each week but hope you guys are enjoying like i said packers uh prospects for packers i think it's a fun little segment to do but with that said i'm going to take off here hope you guys enjoy your friday I will catch you guys next week. 